Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Your Seattle Seahawks are working with the most draft capital they have had in years. The highest pick under John Schneider and Pete Carroll. So let's talk draft with Eric Edholm, NFL.com's lead draft writer right now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Eric, how's it going? Is it officially draft season? Can we say that now? It is are, we, yes. are we fully into it? It is officially <laughs> yeah. draft season, and we are. You're our first yeah. uh, draft season guest. Now that the Super Bowl's over, uh, we're we're getting started uh, with with a great guest right now. I'm so happy, and uh, and we have a lot. <laughs> we have a lot to cover with you. Um, God, I don't even know where to start. I guess I'm going to start with this. The Seahawks are looking at number five overall. And here in Seattle, we know they need defensive help, and we've had our eyes on defensive players. But in the back of our minds, there's the possibility that at five, quarterback is right there. How would you rank the top quarterback talent in this year's draft? Yeah, it's it's really an interesting – it's always an interesting year quarterback. But but this year in particular, I mean, you you have some outliers. You have some players who are, you know – are roundly believed to be in that that top tier of quarterbacks and you know depending on who you talk to it may include two guys three four what have you uh it's we're still kind of sorting out uh who belongs where i think but i would say there are four first round names in the picture that i think right now uh, uh, bryce young from alabama uh we'll get into him a little bit will levis from kentucky polarizing prospect but somebody with a lot of talent um, Anthony Richardson, certainly from Florida is another guy with just oozing with the potential who, you know, we haven't quite seen it yet, but the flashes are there. Uh, who am I forgetting? CJ Stroud, Ohio state. So, you know, Stroud's narrative kind of changed a little bit in that semifinal loss to Georgia, probably, you know, from soup to nuts, one of the best games he's played. I mean, I really thought it was what, what set it apart and what Ohio state fans were clamoring for all season long. I mean, CJ is a good athlete, but he was a pocket passer. That was the system they ran. They really didn't take advantage of his, his uh, movement ability, but in that game in particular, perhaps out of need against a good defense, he showed he could play on the move. It almost changed the narrative a little bit about him. So all four guys have some warts. All four also have some exciting traits. Um, I don't think all four will pan out. I think there's enough volatility there, but, like you said, with the extra first, the temptation has to be really strong, even if you love what Gino did last year and you know think he can give you you know some quality time going forward. Yeah, Eric, I painted a picture where maybe Gino moves on and the Hawks have that five spot and they take CJ if he's available. But I want to ask you about this Levis guy. Every year there's a quarterback that just comes out of nowhere, right? Obviously, if you watch enough college football, you knew who he was. But what is about his game that um, that makes him polarizing, that, that makes him attractive to these GMs and head coaches? Yeah, I think you have my advice for anybody getting into to Will's tape or, you know, just wanting to know a little bit more about him. Start at the beginning of the 2021 season. Now, maybe it'll leave you with a little bit of a bad taste if you go chronologically because <laughs> – Last year simply wasn't his best. He just didn't play up to the level that I think he's capable of, that others do, certainly in the league. Um, I can tell you that coming into the year, he was very highly thought of for his build. I mean, he's a thickly built kid, uh, not super tall, just around 6'4", maybe a little under. 
but has the kind of frame that can withstand, you know, some, some hits. I mean, this is, you know, you go to a team that drafts high in the draft, there's probably some problems there, right? Whether it's pass protection or not having the skill guys or whatever. And so your quarterback is probably going to take a beating. And he showed some real toughness this year. Kentucky lost a lot of skill position players, also lost Liam Cohen, who was the offensive coordinator, took a job with the Rams. And, you know, it, it, the play calling was kind of a mess. Their early scripts looked pretty good. And then as the game went on, things kind of fell apart. He wasn't able to run. He was a good runner last uh, 2021, but various injuries, I think, really kind of held him back, too. So, you know, you lose four-fifths of your offensive line and, you know, quality receivers and running backs and tight ends and everything. And, you know, it's just not the same group around you. So it's kind of the same debate we're having with – we had with – you know, Jordan Love, who went to the Packers, Josh Allen, who was, uh, you know, a controversial first rounder. There's just a lot to sort out. And you have to kind of look at 2022 through the right lens and understand that the conditions around him and the injuries he faced, they're sort of out of his control a little bit. Uh, Eric, it was really, really fun this year when we thought that the Seahawks pick from Denver would be number three, maybe even as high as number two. It was a great time. I mean, and the world was our oyster. It was like, okay, well, Houston's number one, so they're going to take Bryce Young, and then you have either Jalen or Will Anderson. Like, one of the two is going to fall to you. And then, lo and behold, week 18 happens, and that pick falls to five. I say falls to five. It's still the highest pick for John and Pete ever. But is there a world where Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, maybe, 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 fall to them at five still yeah there is but you guys will have to start rooting for these quarterbacks even if you don't love them personally <laughs> at least just pretend like you do we're okay, gonna tell right? everyone so, we know oh my god will love us he's amazing <laughs> absolutely invite them all on the show pump them up to, to know, yeah but really that's I, that's the best case scenario i think there will be some trade activity so you know that if let's say you know the 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 colts at four you know, you want to jump ahead of them. You know they're going to draft a quarterback, and they can't work out a deal. All of a sudden, the number three picks in in play, and you know maybe Arizona trades down with the same hopes. We'll get we'll get one of these defensive guys a little bit lower. Carolina at nine may want to move up. You know, even if it looks on the surface like a quarterback class with some question marks, uh, more years than not, that's the case anyway. And by eight, by the time April rolls around. You know, last year was an exception with Kenny Pickett, the only first rounder. But most years, we're going to see multiple first rounders. We're going to see them get pushed up the board once the dust of free agency has settled, once the combines in the rearview mirror, once the pro days have happened, and all the GMs have laid, you know, first person eyes on these guys. That, that position tends to elevate, and GMs get nervous. If you haven't gotten your quarterback, you're kind of relying on the draft. Guess what? You probably need to prepare to move up. So that's that's the hope is that the four teams picking ahead of you currently, and we don't know if Seattle wants to move down or what. If three of them take quarterbacks, there you go. You know, one of the two almost certainly will uh, will be or will be available. So maybe both is possible. You know, but there's a good chance that at least one of them is going off the board somewhere in that one, two, three range, and then you kind of have to hope and pray a little bit. All right, Eric, my last quarterback question, then I'm going to move on a little bit. But I'm a Pac-12 guy, and there's this Pac-12 quarterback that fascinates me. 6'6", 230 pounds. And when you look at him in practice, you look at him on the field, um, you see the potential of this young man. I'm talking about Tanner McKee over there in Stanford. But we all know that situation at Stanford is not great. 
Um, they can't do the same recruiting that other schools are allowed to do. They can't get guys in early. When you look at Tanner McKee, uh, what do you? How do you see him as a pro? Where do you think he goes? Big pocket passer who has taken a little bit of an unusual route. You know, I mean, in terms of you know just the progression to get to where he's at right now. Uh, a little bit of a delay in his in in that process, similar to what we saw with Davis Mills a little bit, you know, Mills had some injuries. I think only started what 11 games in college. Well, he's already started that many and more for the Texans. Right. I mean, that was kind of out of need. I mean, they drafted him as a, you know, midday two pick a provisional guy, someone with some first round traits, former five-star recruit, hope the best. Well, now they're looking to upgrade over him. So I kind of wonder if McKee won't fall into that same category. I'm not saying he won't, thrive or you know turn into a good a good NFL quarterback but what is working against them is that more teams are interested in the the mobile quarterbacks the spread quarterbacks and you know the guys who have you know we're almost going away from the the old pro style offense a little bit now you know there are clearly passers who are or worth picking you know relatively high in the draft if they do those things exceptionally well and as you pointed out Stanford has been a program in decline for four or five years now um they have some talent but a lot of players transferred out um like you said there's some stringent requirements there too as well but he's a big tall kid who can throw the ball pretty well and doesn't move all that great I, I wish his pocket movement was a little cleaner but there really is some intrigue there and I think there will be certain offensive coordinators and certain teams to look at him. And if he does slip out of the first, you know, 50, 60 picks, 70 picks, all of a sudden you, you, you get very interested because, you know, look at Jalen Hurts, for instance, you know, second round pick who was viewed as somewhat of a dart throw, you know, a little bit of a surprise selection with, with Wentz there. Maybe a team drafts somebody like Tanner McKee in that second, third round range. I mean, could he vault up higher? Maybe. But that's sort of what I where I see him. And, you know, who knows? I mean, he's, he's definitely got the ability, but there's a lot to sort out and a lot of work to do on him. You're listening right now to Eric Edholm on with us. He is the lead draft writer for NFL.com. And, Eric, you're going to be making a lot of these, but you had your first mock draft uh, that just came out in early February. And uh, not only did you have Jalen Carter going first overall to the Bears, uh, you also had Tyree Wilson going number five to the Seahawks, Texas Tech Edge. Tell me what you saw from Tyree that made you think he could be a fit for Seattle. Yeah, another player who's definitely been on NFL scout radars for for quite a while. I mean, I would say among the senior prospects who, you know, coming into the season, I would say he would have been among the highest graded. Uh, It was a little bit of a surprise he didn't come out. There was still plenty of stuff he could have worked on. He can be a little bit, a little stiff at times, but you just don't draw him up too much better than 6'6", 275 pounds, massive wingspan, you know, some pass rush ability, some, some edge setting ability, you know, you can, you can take on those, those, those blocks and, and shed them and dispatch guys pretty easily. I would say, you know, could still get stronger too, which is incredible. You know, I mean, he's a big kid, but I think there's even still some strength and athletic development that could happen, but you know, he's, he's a senior. So he's a little bit on the older age of that spectrum where you usually do that growth and, you know, he got lost a little bit in the shuffle playing in the Big 12, all those, you know, 44, 41 games and stuff. But the people who've watched him see a player who they think is worthy of being taken in the, you know, top 
sit 10 or 15 picks. Now, how he works out at the combine could ultimately decide, does he go fifth or does he go 15th? You know, and obviously the medical stuff and everything. Yeah. But, yeah, I see a player with, with some, 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 some chops. I think he's going to do fine in the NFL. Now, I'm a former receiver, so I got to ask you about these pass catchers, man. Um, yeah. You got your you got your names, right? Your household names. You got Quentin over there at TCU, Jordan Addison, yep. Jackson, Zay Flowers. Who's a guy that you feel isn't on everyone's radar, later on gets drafted, that can make an impact once he arrives? Yeah, so I just came back from the Super Bowl speaking of Stanford, and there was a kid there that, truthfully, I didn't know a whole lot about. I mean, I'd watched him, but I hadn't scouted him. I hadn't talked to anybody around the league on him, but... Uh, Michael Wilson was was one of the best receivers at the Senior Bowl, and you know credit to Jim Nagy and his staff for identifying that as another player there. You know, saddled by injuries the last couple of years, some bad luck. Obviously, the the situation on the team wasn't that great, and and those things matter. So, a healthy receiver goes down and looks again another former elite high school recruit who, you know, you'd say never really quite filled their potential in college but looked really good there so he's one i'm going to go back on and do a little extra work but i think the biggest mystery you know boom or bust could be a hit could be a, a swing and a miss is probably jackson smith and jigba from ohio state and obviously pac-12 fans will remember the rose bowl and when he went off against utah and had an unbelievable game 300 whatever yards but this past season only played i think three games so Another question where you have to, you know, be kind, rewind and look at the old tape and see what you saw prior to this season and try not to let that kind of, you know, color your view of, of what you think of them. So, you know, it's a good receiver class. I wouldn't say it's a great one, but I think, you know, we've been spoiled a little bit. The last four or five years have been unbelievable in terms of talent. Uh, two quick ones here for me, Eric, and then and then we'll let you go. First, uh, if they do take um, you know an outside linebacker or uh, you know anything like that at number five, guess what? They still have right. number twenty. It's pretty nice to have the Seahawks have two picks. Um, they are going yeah. to need to add to the interior of the defensive line behind Carter, behind Anderson. Who are some good defensive uh, tackles or defensive linemen we could see? Maybe just one or two names that might be mid to late first rounders. Yeah, it's not a great year at that position, but mm-hmm. I think it's a good year, and I think it's going to be fine in that range if if we get good health back on Brian Bercy from Clemson. He would probably be my, you know, off the top of my head, I would say probably by defensive tackle two behind Carter. Um, some say he's a little overhyped. You know, he's he's had a tragic story with his family and some, um, you know, things that they've had to deal with, and then the, the loss of his sister. Uh, you know, it, it, he's come a long way, and he's an inspirational kid. So there are some scouts out there who believe that maybe the feel-good story has glossed over some of his weaknesses. But I see a, a guy who's, you know, all-out effort, uh, versatile, could play a few spots there. The question is, is there another defensive tackle worth taking in that area? Uh, Keanu Benton, who was down at the Senior Bowl, I thought played really well. Late first, I don't know, but... Yeah. I would say there there are a few that could range that could that move up to that range. I would say. Uh, and then just a last one. This doesn't have to do with the Seahawks because the answer will be someone who's probably not available at number five. When you look at all the picks uh, in this draft, especially those guys that are going to go uh, in the top five, in the top ten, is there any one player where you look at him and you think this is the surest bet in the draft? Like I am so excited mm-hmm. to see what this guy can do. 
I, I, it probably has to be one of those two defensive players, I think, off the yeah. top of my head. I mean, Will Anderson, I don't know if he's going to be Von Miller, but that's the kind of player I see when I watch him. I mean, that that type of versatility, that type of explosive pass rush ability. And then just for a good laugh, like if you're bored at work or something like that, don't leave off <laughs> it, but turn on the, the high school basketball tape of, of, of Jalen Carter dunking. I mean, okay. tell me it doesn't look like Zion Williamson. Like, that's the player I looked at. I'm like, whoa. So he is a special athlete. He doesn't always turn it on. That's the only thing I would yeah. say about him. But when he cranks it up, he's special. Love it. He is Eric Edholm, NFL.com's lead draft writer. His first mock draft, mock draft 1.0, is out right now. I'm sure that Eric will have other ones out. He also covers plenty more than just the draft. Make sure you're reading his work at NFL.com. Thanks so much, Eric. Thanks, Eric. Have a great day, you guys. See ya. Thank you. you. Again, that was Eric Edholm, kind enough to join us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Let's get to headline rewrites. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacy. Headline number one. Lost my spot. The remaining 10 Pac 12 schools. They released a statement on Monday saying they're united in their commitment to one another. What's the real headline? Well, that's what my parents said, too. Yes. You right. can't believe people when Ooh. they say it, guys. You can't do it. Uh, the schools added that uh, they look forward to a media rights deal getting done in the near future. Now, we know that there have been some commitments uh, between conferences, right? Some alliances between conferences that didn't end up working out for the then Pac-12, but now it's the Pac-10. Um, I think the most important thing, yes, expansion is hugely important, but like, let's get some traction on this media rights deal, guys. <laughs> College football, I know it's the longest offseason for football. It will be here before you know it. You know what I hear? You know what I see? Words. <laughs> I want action. I'm about that action, boss. I want to see it, man. But, uh, this is never good. This is damage control. Um, side note, I looked up Jalen Carter Did dunking. You? Zion. Pretty impressive. It's Zion. It's just, I, I thought he was going to say, look up um, Jalen Carter or Will Anderson high school football tape when they were like a running back or something. Because my favorite <laughs> thing is when there's a guy that's just like head and shoulders, like he's a foot taller and like 100 pounds bigger than every other kid on the team. And they're like, just give that guy the ball. <laughs> Those videos are hilarious. Windmill. <laughs> Headline rewrites. Headline number two, Kyrie Irving did not want to answer questions about his future with the Mavericks on Monday, calling any speculation about his future, quote, a distraction. What's the real headline? We all know how much Kyrie hates being a distraction. It's just not, his, just kind of hates not his brand. It's not what he's about, you guys. He's not about ball and only ball. He shows up. He plays. He leaves. He doesn't tweet. <laughs> he doesn't do anything else. It, 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 that's it. Team he's first. about the game. Team first. Team first. It's, it's all about ball. All right, now let me show him some love. The first time we did this, I, I went in on Kyrie. You did. And you know, you know, maybe he's trying to become a new man. He's turning a new leaf. <laughs> <laughs> Curtis Good has one, zero Bob. faith in Kyrie right now. <laughs> he Good is, one. He's trying to change the way the public views him. We know he is a heck of a basketball Why? player. Why? Legacy. He wants his legacy. I think that there's some self-serving stuff He's trying to change it. It's always self-serving. He's selfish. Yeah. The thing is, Kyrie, you did say this. You did give him credit. Would be so amazing. Both you and Curtis have been like, Kyrie, like, could be one of the best players if he would just get it together. Yeah. And stop, like, being 
kind of one foot in, one foot out with every organization he's been with. He'd be even better if he was a Laker right now, but nah. You're going well, over no, to Dallas. no, because what's-his-face, uh, uh, the GM for gracious. the Brooklyn Nets was like, I don't think so. Nah. Not after not after what you've done here. I'm not sending you the Lakers. Sean Marks, yeah. Yeah, just not, not going to happen. Eight. Who's a player where you guys – oh, go ahead, Curtis. Oh, no. I was going to say instead the Lakers went out and got Malik Beasley, who is – who is the ex oh, of Scotty no. Pippen Jr.'s mom? This is Scotty Pippen Jr. plays on the Lakers. Man, I saw a meme. We also talked about how Larsa Pippen is dating oh, one of Michael Jordan's, Michael Jordan's son, son, Marcus. What yeah. is the messiness that's happening with NBA drama right now? She's holding on to that youth. She really is. She got these young men dating she looks her. Great. Can't hate on her. No. I saw a meme where uh, they say Malik walks up to Scotty Pippen and be like, Where your mama at? <laughs> <laughs> So shady. Who's um, a player, before we get to the last headline, is there a player that is like Kyrie in that you guys were like, any sport, he would be so talented if he would just stop getting in his own way? Mm. I mean, Terrell Owens never, like, said anything anti-Semitic or... But he did have a lot of drama, but he he was so good. Yeah, he was incredible. Yeah, so it's not like he stood too much in his own way, but, like... How much further could he have gone, uh, you're saying? Gilbert Arenas, man. Oh, yeah. Gilbert Arenas. Bringing guns dope. to the arena? Yeah, man. He's Yikes. tripping. That's a great podcast now, though. Great podcast. He was tripping, though. Maybe he's just a creative. He needed a different <laughs> outlet. Uh, you know how every school kind of has that one alum that everybody's like, <sighs> like you dub probably Jeremy Stevens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Arizona. We don't claim him. Arizona, it's Gilbert Arenas. Yeah. Like, dude was a baller, but. People throw him in there and you're like, they're down, yeah, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I just do that. Headline, we Hesitant. Go dogs. <laughs> has got a few Hope Solos there. Okay, that's Weird enough. how they got married. Yeah, we can move on. Headline Ted number Bundy. three. <laughs> The Cardinals flipped <laughs> it in there. The Cardinals, the only team with that head coach, appeared to be s- zeroing in on Jonathan Gannon. I think they actually they have did that news from the guy. What's I didn't the real, update you. What's the real headline? <laughs> After the second half performance in the Super Bowl, we are glad that meeting went well. Yeah. So it's a five-year deal. This news broke right before uh, Curtis read that. I my bad, Curtis. I didn't update that for you, but um. It's a five-year deal with Jonathan Gannon and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, You know what? Let's get to this in NFL headlines. My question is, how does this change the landscape of the NFC West? If at all, you got a brand new head coach that the Seahawks are going to see him and his team twice a year. And what does it mean for Kyler Murray? That's next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle's Sports Station. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacey Ross. Taking a look around the NFL, and we are going to start with a story that broke not long ago. The Arizona Cardinals have hired 40-year-old Jonathan Gannon, Eagles defensive coordinator, as their new head coach. He's been a great defensive coordinator for the Eagles. Don't forget that they led the league in sacks. Not only that, but had the third most sacks ever for a Super Bowl team, or excuse me, for a team in a season. Also made it to a Super Bowl, obviously. Only the 85 Bears and another Bears team surpassed them. So going for from a great unit with Philadelphia to taking over in a new position, a higher position, with the Arizona Cardinals. Bump, how could this change the landscape of the NFC West, if at all? And what does it mean for Kyler Murray? How could it change the landscape? Possibly, well, if you're just looking at what he's done. Yeah. Right now, they went from 26 points per game, which is 20th, to 22nd points per game, which is 8th. So he improved that defense. Mm-hmm. So is Arizona going to have an improved defense? I have some picks over there that should be good. You got Buda Baker. You got uh, Isaiah Simmons over there at the linebacker spot. Have, 
three overall, I think. Yeah. Top top three overall pick. It could bring another defense to this division, which would be scary. My yeah. question to him is, who going to coach the quarterback, though? Who going to call the plays, though? That's the thing that's going to make this thing go initially. You have Kyle Murray over there. You have Hopkins. I believe D-Hop is still yes. signed. Yeah. You got some weapons. Yes, defense is great. Come over. Do your thing. You did it in Philly. But Kyle Murray is going to have to win you some games. You got to find somebody who can connect and hold this young man accountable. Now, I'll say this. I wonder if for Kyler Murray, the idea that it needs to be an offensive-minded head coach is something you need to throw out the window because they did have an offensive-minded head coach with Cliff Kingsbury, going to probably be OC with the Texans now. And maybe that's a better role because he was not a great head coach in Arizona and he couldn't tap into what made Kyler Murray great. So you had this offensive guru, I'm using quotation marks, that was supposed to be able to unlock the greatness that was Kyler and he couldn't do it. Maybe a defensive guy is the right guy. I mean, it's about the culture, right? You know what Kyler Murray's going to say? What? I'm the OC now. I'm the, oh, I'm yeah, the, I'm the now. captain now. I'm the captain That's now. That's what he's going to say. <laughs> Jalen Hurts and the Eagles are still recovering from a heartbreaking Super Bowl loss, so it makes sense that Jalen wasn't keen on talking about a contract extension just yet. Here's what he told a Philadelphia Inquirer reporter when asked about a new deal in Philly. Quote, the thing I'm most focused on is winning. The only thing I care about is winning and ultimately winning championships. So there will be a day when the conversation can be had, but today isn't that day. Well, the day is going to have to be soon bumped because NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport said prior to the Super Bowl that the Eagles are prepared to open negotiations. Here's what Ian said. There's no bigger priority for Philadelphia than getting this done, and his price tag is only going up. Mm. Uh, they said, I'm sure whatever, excuse me, Ian said, I'm sure whatever contract he does, it's going to be something where he can keep the pieces around him, but it's going to be expensive. How expensive? Who knows? The highest contract right now in terms of average annual value, as you know, belongs to Aaron Rodgers, following that, Russell Wilson. So we're looking at 40-plus per year average annual value. So let's see if he's true to his word. Mm. He only cares about winning. That's what he's focused on. If he really is, then he's not going to ask to be the top paid quarterback in the NFL. He's going to leave some room for some wiggle. So he says all the right things, and there's nothing Jalen Hurts has done that makes me not believe in what he's saying. But if he's really all about it, when they pull out that checkbook and it's time to get that money, how flexible are you going to be? But he is right. If he wants to continue to win, if he wants to build, then he can't be the highest paid. Well, actually, he can be the highest paid quarterback, right? According to Patrick Mahomes. But no, man, how do you how do you operate that? How do you keep guys around? You give them a little cut, man, a little hometown discount. Now, he's not the only young quarterback who could be in line for an extension. The Cincinnati Bengals expected to extend Joe Burrow this offseason. Um, I think that, you know, I wonder if what you could see with either of these guys, both Burrow and Jalen Hurts, is not... Not taking any major pay cut to be like, I'll just take 12% of the cap. You you can only win above thir- or under 13%, right? Mm-hmm. But I wonder when you're going to start seeing players, especially when they're friends of teammates that are there, say like, I'll settle for this much because I know how good we are. I just, I wonder when that's going to start happening. Got to be guys who've already won rings, who've already gotten paid. I mean, you want to win championships? But the reality of the business is they will get rid of you as soon as you stop producing. They will cut you. They will kick you to the curb. So you can say, I'm money hungry. Guys are money hungry. No, that's the business. Most guys have three and a half years to get it done. If that knee goes or that shoulder goes, all that love that you receive right now ain't going to be the same. Question. This is more of a salary cap question. So eventually we'll get a salary cap expert again on the show. We've had Joel Corey, but... um, 
According uh, to some uh, reports coming out of Cincinnati, the borough extension will probably come in uh, at one of the higher paid deals. So you're looking at between 45 and 50 million or higher per year on average. But with a structure that's team friendly, which is what Mahomes did. What do people mean when they say, yeah, you're going to have this insane average value, but the structure is going to be team friendly? Does Uh, that mean backloading? Does that mean rolling guarantees? Backloading guarantees. That's what they mean. And then a whole bunch of other mathematical movement that I don't understand. (laughs) Where's John Clayton when you need him? Rest in peace, my man. I know. That's that's exactly what we need right now is someone who understands this cap to come in here and help us out. Uh, The Panthers are making a few more staff changes here. No one being fired, though. They're hiring Jim Caldwell as senior assistant. Staley is assistant to head coach and running backs coach. The Panthers rounding out their staff bump. Um, I'm not asking you to sound off on Jim Caldwell, rather to take a look at the NFC South. Which team could be closest to turning this thing around? And what would be the turning point for that team? Is it getting a quarterback? Is it having one of these new head coaches? I mean, when you look at the NFC South, what team do you see as having the best shot to take a step forward and why? Let's start at quarterback. All right. You got Desmond Ritter in Atlanta. ATL shouted. You got uh, Sam Darnold with the Panthers. You have Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston with the Saints. And I don't know who you have with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at this point. Man. Right now, I'm going to put my money on Atlanta. If Carolina gets a quarterback, then they will overtake. Yeah, I think... I've been looking at the draft ones for these ones. I'm really, really hoping that Air, or excuse me, that um, Carolina falls in love with someone like Will Levis and then mm-hmm. trades up to get him. Mm-hmm. Um, we had uh, Eric Edholm on earlier who's like, if you're a Seahawks fan and you are dying to have either uh, Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, you want teams to fall in love with yeah. quarterbacks. Gas Arizona, Yeah, Arizona and Chicago need defensive players. They do not need quarterbacks. Right. But do teams make trades with either of those guys? They're going to try to stay in the top five for either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. But do teams make trades that are tempting enough for either of those teams to kind of move out of the way where one of those guys falls to Seattle? I don't know. But I think Carolina's a candidate. You got to give them a pro bowler. You have to give them an established veteran who is going to put up numbers and some picks. I don't see Chicago moving out of that spot. They're going to get the defensive player that they want. Yeah, that's why Jalen Carter. I think I believe Eric Edholm's mock draft where he has Jalen Carter at number one. Yeah. If you're Chicago, you're like, look, I know the team behind me wants to take a quarterback. I'm not in danger of losing this guy, but they know I don't need a quarterback. So what are they going to give me if they're right. like, well, I'm going to get my guy anyways. Mm-hmm. Like the, the Texans, no matter what, are getting Bryce. They don't they don't have to do anything. They know they're going to get him they unless know. someone swaps in with the with the Bears. Huh? I don't see it happening. Maybe. Though. Maybe. Maybe you someone never know. swaps in with the Bears, and then you have Will Levis going like number two to Houston, and then you have someone trading up to get CJ Stroud. Look I'm trying to will it in. Look at you. I'm trying to will it into reality. You want to hear that noise? Remember when the trade? Do, 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 that's, what I, that's exactly <laughs> what I want, and I want it to be a team that wants a quarterback, not a team that wants to trade up to get a defensive player, because I don't see a world where Seattle trades up from five. I do see a world where they trade back because a team is going to want to try to take, I don't know, Levis or someone. I see you working the universe right now. I'm really trying to do it. I see you. I'm really, really trying. Uh, All right. That was a look around the NFL. Uh, Not Obviously, you guys look. It's the quiet part of the offseason. Not a lot going on right now. Catching you up with the biggest story in the NFL this year. That was uh, that Arizona has a new head coach. So a new head coach that you're going to see two times a year, Jonathan Gannon, 
40 years old. Youngster. You know what I was going to say? It seems like head coaches are getting younger, but guys, I've realized what it is is that I'm getting older. Yeah, we start to look at 40 a bit different. I know. I, yeah. When I was 25, 40. You were like, wow, what took him so long? 40. I will <laughs> never reach 40. I'm going to yeah. stay 25 my whole life. I'll never do that. What? I watched this reality show. Which I'm ashamed one? of it. It's called Love Island. Okay. And uh, there's a lot of young people on it, but it feels like they're getting younger, so it's less enjoyable. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I'm fine with watching people in their late 20s find yeah. love and yeah. act a mess. Watching 20 and 21 year olds, it's kind of, it's like watching kids. It's, you're like, you're kind of like, eh. Right. Anyways. You have no idea what you're doing. Yeah, it's just less, it's less entertaining. Uh, it feels like an MTV <laughs> teenage show, but I still watch it. And uh, one of them, she's 21, she goes, I mostly date older, more mature guys, like 23, 24. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That was my worst year, 23. I'm like, what are you talking about? Older and more mature. (laughs) 23. Girl, no. You know, he works at. He's a a manager at a retail store. I know. Nothing wrong with being a manager at a retail store. No, nothing. I mean, that is a job. That literally, I worked at a retail retail job uh, when I was 23. Yeah. But I'm just saying the idea of like, you know, it's just like. He's figured his stuff out. He's 23. You know what I mean? Trust me. We ain't figured out to about 30, ladies. <laughs> yeah, you guys are out of Hold luck. On. I'm really sorry about that. Uh, all right. We are going heavy baseball at one. There are a ton of new rules that MLB is rolling out for the 2023 season. And I know that you guys, like Bump and I, know them on paper. But we're going to talk about them, what they mean, how baseball could look different in 2023, and what it means for the Mariners. We're going to ask Jesse a bit about the American League, maybe the American League West, and and kind of get his temperature check on the division as well. Before then, I want to get back to a conversation about drafting. You can't spend your way to a Super Bowl, Bump. Can you? That's next. Bumpin' Stacy. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports Station. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Before we get to our conversation about drafting and building a Super Bowl team, we got some breaking NFL news, though not really surprising, Bump. The Raiders, uh, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, have informed Derek Carr that he has been released. The team's decision saves them $40 million guaranteed uh, that would have become fully guaranteed on Wednesday. So now they avoid that. And Carr is officially a free agent. He's expected to draw interest from the Saints, with whom he met. The Panthers are also in need of a quarterback. And don't forget, Seattle's also looking to bring back Geno. If they can't, maybe Derek's an option. That's something that some people have looked at. Get out of here. I don't know about that one. Why they wait so long? Why'd they wait so long? Well, drop on Monday. Get this thing over. No, we're going to wait till they were, Tuesday. I think they were hoping. So before the Super Bowl, there was a report Albert Breer had in Sports Illustrated that a source told him. So this is not Albert Breer saying it. A source told him that the Saints and Raiders had the framework of a trade in place. So I wonder. There's no trade clause, though. He gets to pick where he wants to well, go. Well, exactly. But I think they were thinking like, oh, he'll waive it. And then Derek Carr was like. No, I won't. As soon as he said, I ain't waving it, <laughs> I'm no waving choice. goodbye. They had no choice. <laughs> Out of they there. had to do it. So I don't know. Maybe exit interviews. Maybe that's what was taking <laughs> so long. Interviews. Maybe he had to clear so out his desk. So how was your, your nine years here yeah, at, uh, in Oakland slash Las Vegas? The HR person. Hi, Derek. Thank you so much for coming in today. How are you doing? <laughs> Not great. I was just released. Okay. I'll go ahead and jot that down. I'll, that <laughs> I'll go ahead and jot that down. Any lingering notes uh, for the organization? <laughs> yeah, get a better defense. I'm snitching on everybody. I know. Snitching. That's what I'm just saying. Everything. Yeah, your defense sucks. Everything is horrible. 
Just Stadium sad. sucks, too, by the way. It's not even that great. Oh, God. Anyways, Derek Carr, now a free agent, has been informed by the Raiders that he will be released. Again, he had $40 million that was going to become fully guaranteed three days after the Super Bowl, which would have been tomorrow. Not anymore, though, Derek. So he is off to a new team. Look for him to pop up in the NFC South, predicted to go to one of those two teams, either Carolina or New Orleans. Moving on, you can't spend your way to a Super Bowl bump. You can't do it. Nah, can't do it. Can you? That's kind of a a conversation that's been going back and forth as we've been talking about whether or not you can keep Gino. This is not a conversation about Gino. I want to stress that from the jump. But it is a conversation about how you make the team better. I have seen, because of the conversations about Gino, a lot of people saying, well, if if you spend on Gino, then you can't go out and buy free agents. Now, whether or not you keep Gino... I think you have no choice but to really, really improve this defense in the draft. Mm-hmm. And I know that's unfair. You and I decided that, what, three players? That if you can hit you on three, three players, hit. it was a phenomenal draft. Yeah, They hit on more than that in 2022. It's unfair to ask, but if you want to be a contender as soon as possible, you got to do it again in 2023. Yeah, you got to do it. You got to find a way. You got to find... A not a Tariq Woolen, but a guy late. Yeah, you know what I'm saying that you feel. Can, now, this is what I thought Tariq Woolen was gonna do. I thought he was gonna contribute on special teams and eventually move his way up. He goes, Nah, Shouty, I'm starting week number one. <laughs> I got this. I got it. Good for you. <laughs> but they need a guy who's gonna be in that situation. A, a late guy, fifth round, works his way up, gets some snaps, and then develops. And then you need that number five to go. That number five pick, you're gonna play. You can have the worst you need to be camp good. in Seahawk history. You're going, going to play. Just like Charles Cross. I'm like, number nine, he's going to play. So number five, you need it to work out, but he's going to get live reps. He's going to get live bullets when it comes to uh, the regular season. You need that number 20 to contribute as well, and you need 37 to contribute. Ideally, those are the three that you're like, they're going to get most of the opportunities mm-hmm. anyway. They're going to get most of the reps in camp. They're going to get most of the preseason reps. And even if they don't play well then, they're still going to get thrown into the fire during the NFL season. Like, look, high draft pick, big signing bonus, you're going to play. Yeah. So those three are going to have the spotlight on them. But then you need, well, you got two third-round picks. You need a picks. surprise. Yeah, you need a surprise. You need a surprise. So um, it can be done. Yeah. We saw them hit on, what, five, six, seven of them things this year. So uh, it can be done, but we're not putting that pressure on them to have the same type of success they had in last year's draft. No, but I kind of am because it's okay. it's what it is is it is both a near impossible thing to ask and also the the most important thing they can do. So what do you do, right? Like it is unfair to say, hey, John, Pete, if you guys could once again get an offensive and de- defensive rookie of the year candidate in this draft, right. that would be fantastic. That's so unfair. It is. Like, who drafts like that? Nobody. Nobody. And I was waiting for you. To, I was waiting for the nobody. Oh, I missed it. <laughs> I, you, I missed opportunity. We'll get Dang to it. just another time. It is really unfair to ask that they do that. On the other hand, if you want to talk about how to build up your team – It's not just going out and spending money that you don't spend on quarterback on an expensive defensive lineman and an expensive linebacker and a center, although I do think you should add all those pieces. Mm -hmm. It's also making sure that you stock up with young players because take out last year's draft and they've struggled to do that consistently and you see the after effect of that. You know what happens when when you do draft well, the reverse is true. You start seeing teams that are cheap and really dang good. Yeah, good for at least three to four. Yeah. And that's that's a success window in the NFL. The years of the Patriots being dominant, I think they said in 
15 seasons, they won 11 division championships or something crazy like that. I don't. I think those days are over because you're not going to have a quarterback like Tom Brady who's going to be willing to take that type of pay cut to help help out there. Uh, you have to draft well. Your your window to win is three to five years, and the Kansas City Chiefs are are smack dab in that window. They might be able to extend theirs a little bit, um, just because of the talent that they have. So that's your goal, and. It all starts with the foundation, and the foundation is young, cheap players. And then you go out and you buy that new car. You know what I'm saying? And that new car, you got to buy insurance for that new car as well. Mm-hmm. The insurance are those pieces around it to help this dude out. He's going to need a break every now and then on that defensive line. I'm hoping that's the route that they're going. So there's um, the Chiefs have eliminated the conversation that it can't be done. Yeah. I don't think you can do that every single year and go out and spend a bunch of money on a quarterback and and not address some other places. The way they addressed it was during the draft. It all comes down to the draft. Your foundation players should be the draft if you want to sustain a run, unless you want to be the Rams. You be the Rams, you go out, you buy that new car, no insurance, engine gets blown out, you're driving it too hard, you're sitting for a year (laughs) trying to figure out what to do, and you're winning three games. But you got pictures like, remember when I had that car? Oh, man, that car was fast. Oh, man. (laughs) I still remember that car you're listening to bump it stacy on seattle sports and the seattle sports app switching gears here talking about mlb's new rules they're unloading quite a few coming up in 2023 espn's jesse rogers is going to tell us what it means for baseball and for the mariners that's next